Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When I was growing up in the 70s, the average temperature in St. Louis on a high for each day was 65.1. In the 80s, it moved up to 65.6 from 65.1. Then it went up to 66.1 in the 90s, 66.5 in the 2000s, and then 67.8 in the 2010s, and now it's a little over 68. Joe Vitale joins us here on 101 ESPN. Joey V, on a morning like this, I'm longing for the uh, global warming. What's going on? Yeah, people keep talking about this thing. I I don't know where it is. You know, in some days, in some days, you, you, you hope it's true, but uh, we, we can certainly wish for it to be a little bit warmer. Days like this, I wish, I wish I was living in San Francisco, where Randy, you bring up temperatures, and you know that that is an area where it stays pretty consistent between fifty and eighty mm-hmm. all year long. You know, a lot of people don't realize this with 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 bread. So so San Francisco's making the best bread in the world in the world. And it's not because of the bakers out there. It's really the temperature of, of San Francisco and the coast in like the coastal air. Uh, so when you think about sourdough bread, it's basically it's yeast and live bacteria. And if you, if you think of the temperature gauge for bacteria and yeast to live, it's around that 50 to 80 degree zone. That's why when you put food in the refrigerator, it's like below 35 because bacteria has a rough time excelling under under that temperature and then of course you put food in the oven at you know 200 300 400 degrees and it kills the bacteria so san francisco's got this crazy balance for all year long it stays in the perfect zone for bacteria to grow and then of course with the coastal air it is the it's the epitome for for good bacteria to grow people have said this about i think the beer is a guinness in, in ireland and something to do with the water where you can't really mimic Guinness or maybe O'Doul's or one of those beers anywhere else in the world because of the water and the pH level, the water over there. And uh, so, yeah, days like today, I wish I wish I would. My, my heart's still in San Fran, as they once say, Randy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, before we get to the hockey part of things, and wasn't wasn't great last night, but uh, Michelle Smallman always said, because her family's from New Jersey, that it was the water in uh, bagels in Jersey that made the great bagels there. Have you heard that? And is it similar? Is the water a big part of the the bread in San Francisco and the bagels in Jersey? It is. So water water is actually very important. And you know what? People in St. Louis, we we need to be really grateful. The, the the water from our faucet in St. Louis, and I don't know the exact reason why, but it is very very good drinking water. And I know this because so my good friend Kui, have you guys ever been to Noodle House down the street from you guys? Yes. At the yeah. there? yes. Okay. Yeah. So Noodle House. So Kui, Kui is the most, he's the most fantastic, I mean, fantastic ramen guy I've ever met and fell guy uh, you, you, ever, you ever imagined. And he's got the Noodle House, right? He's also got Miley. That was his original shop. But, but Noodle House, when he was starting this, you know, Mai Lee was more of a pho place, P-H-O. Uh, not pho for all you people out there. It's actually pronounced pho. <laughs> and uh, so he started Noodle House, and he wanted to do a kind of a ramen, a ramen twist uh, to a new restaurant. And, and it's a wonderful shop. Again, it's just on the street from you guys. They're off of Olive. And what he did is he, he got one of these, like, ramen gurus. I think he was from Japan. And he basically flew him over as a consultant to St. Louis, and he was making the best ramen in Japan. So he brings this guy over, and the first thing this kind of like Mr. Miyagi of ramen looks at is he he pours water from the St. Louis faucet, and he does all kinds of tests with it. 
And he was extremely impressed by the pH level and the different um, acidic levels of our, our, our water here. And he said that is the most important thing when it comes to ramen is the, the, the gauge of how much quality is in your water. And, and to kind of turn this back into New York, New York in the same way has a very good pH scale water where for dough and for yeast fermentation, it is actually very favorable uh, you, need, you need, need to be leaning more away from the acidic side of things. Uh, and that's where that balance of the New York and New Jersey bagels, it is definitely without a doubt a huge part of why the, the bagels in New York or New Jersey are just, just very, very different. And you really can't mimic them unless you have that New York water. And then, of course, the New York air, because we know uh, as well with dough, it's, it's a lot of live yeast and bacteria, which is kind of floating around the air. And, and that's where... And that's where it's so specific to that area. And for, for people out there who think I'm crazy, you know, your grandma would make a loaf of bread or some pizza uh, or muffins. And then she would give you the exact same recipe. And you remember from your childhood, my grandma made the best bread or the best raisin bread or whatever it was. She'd give me the recipe and w- what happens every time. It never turns out quite like grandma. And it's because, because grandma had a specific, specific brand of yeast and bacteria in her hand that when she's mixing it, it would just cater to what, what it meant to her. And that's where, even though you get recipes and formulas from your old, the old timers, it never quite comes out the same. That's amazing. Great. So you always learn something new from Joe Vitale here. I learned so much from you, Joe. I, I really do. I, I appreciate all of your wealth of knowledge. Well, I guess I will get into some Blues talk here because we have to talk about what happened last night for the Blues. And even these past two games, I found it very interesting that Drew Bannister keeps pointing to the lack of effort that he has seen from this group. What are you seeing from them, Joey? Yeah, it's been two games. It's been two games in a row. I, I would have hoped for a better response last night for St. Louis after the Philly game a few days ago where you know his comments after the game were, we weren't ready, uh, we lacked a little passion, we lacked a little bit of urgency in our game. And you, you think by comments like that, the, the team will right the ship the following game. And unfortunately, I think it was almost a mirror image of what it was in the Philly game, of course, last night in that Washington Capitals game. You know, I think the, the disturbing thing and the hard, hard part is that the Blues are coming out slow. That, that's what's frustrating. You know, I think that third period, they started to find a little bit of juice and momentum. You know, after they get that third period goal there by Nathan Walker from, from Justin Falk from the outside, they make it 4-2, to two and here they come. A couple, couple waves, a couple good shifts, but it's just too little too late, and they found themselves in such a big hole being down by three goals. They really can't. They really can't come back. You know, the system that Drew Bannister has certainly implemented is a very defensive style of the structure, right? It is a in the offensive zone. You watch it. The, the forward, the third man, is very high. It's a very conservative style. It is a very defensive first style, and they're learning and he's trying to get these guys to understand that we have to defend first and then wait for our opportunities. Well, I will say about this uh, this type of style, especially with a lot of veterans and guys who want to score, if you don't win games and you're not winning games and you're not scoring and you're not patiently waiting for those opportunities, this is where players can get a little bit impatient. This is where guys uh, kind of fall off the radar and then you stop thinking about maybe the system because you know, you're know you not really manufacturing a lot. And that's that's where this is kind of a – it's a touchy. It's a touchy game that Drew Bannister is playing because you want to play a good defensive structure and you want to keep guys high in a good position. But if you're not scoring, then then that's where internally as a hockey player you start getting really frustrated and then you start cheating for offense. So that's where it's a very tough line where I think Drew Bannister's coaching style and of course the players have got to get on the same page with this style because when it looks good, it looks really good. I mean, when Drew Bannister came in, 
This is what he's implemented, and it was a patient game. Think of all the two-to-one games of lose one. They were patient, they were defensive, they were structured, and they basically just outweighed the other team into the third period. But the last two games, it almost seems like the opposite. It seems like they got impatient early on in that game, uh, Philly and, of course, Washington Capitals, and they've been two tough losses. And you look at the St. Louis team, they were just three games above 500 looking for four, and all of a sudden, snap of a finger after two games, you're right back down to uh, just one game over 500 again. Joey, I was watching closely the second period, and I, I don't like to rip on referees or umpires. It's a hard job. The game is fast. However, there is the pure entertainment factor of being a sports fan and watching games. What did you think of that second period? And just it was lethargic. It was kind of, you know, start, stop, those kind of things. And just the entertainment factor for a hockey fan. Yeah, I mean, listen, it was sometimes you kind of got to scratch your head at, you know, how things are evolving. You know, I think the penalties, certainly a penalty filled second period, um, Dan, to your point, you know, the penalties to me were because of at the foundation of it all was I think both teams were not really fast teams, but they're not really moving their feet. When you're not moving your feet, you find yourself using your stick as a weapon a lot. Uh, that, that That's where it comes down to. So I think that, you know, some of the hooks, we saw high stick, we saw a couple trips from both sides. That is, I mean, it was both, both sides. And I think that when you're not moving your feet and you're a slower team, uh, like, like last night, the blues were, and certainly the capitals are, I think that's where you're going to see a lot more stick infractions. You know, and I think this is where, you know, Drew Bannister, he, he, he's kind of jumped around and moved some bodies around. He's trying to find secondary scoring. He's trying to find uh, some more chemistry. And, again, this is a, a touchy subject where it, it's kind of a second-guessing game for a head coach because you have all the scoring, the eliteness with Kairou, Bucinavich, and Thomas on this top line. But if that line is not producing every single game, you've got to break up that party because, meanwhile, in the second and third line, you know, you need some of that score and you need some of that speed from Kyrie. You need some of the playmaking from Bucinavich. So, you know, that, that line got away from scoring for a little bit, and I think that they moved them down. And I think in some ways they moved them back to that third period to try to get create, create a little bit more chemistry. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is a Blues team, uh, to your point, Dan, that this isn't a team that really is going to thrive on a special teams battle. This is a five-on-five team. You need everyone involved. You need the fourth line clicking like they were last night. You need to play with speed. You need to play with pace. And, you know, this penalty certainly is a struggle for St. Louis where their power play, although they've been good for the four games leading up to last night's game, uh, was not was not superb at all. And then the PK wasn't good enough there as well. You know, you got Marco Scandella out. Don't, keep in mind, Robert Bortuzzo got dealt a couple months ago. He's one of your best penalty killers as well. So missing a couple bodies there on the kill, and it certainly hurt him last night. I, I was uh, saying earlier in the show, I would have thrown anybody out there. On, on the power play. I just said, okay, I'm reaching in a hat. You guys are going out there, and these are the five I'm going with. It was, I think, I think, I'm dead serious I, about that. I really think – and Curbs and I mentioned that right at the end of the second period. Right as the second intermission was starting, you know, you know Chris Gerber said, hey, you know, Joe, what are your thoughts on – what are your thoughts on this for a power play? And I said, I think if we see another power play – I think you're going to see Nathan Walker. I think you're going to see Coach yes. I think Dubanser is just going to say, the next five, just go. You guys, you five that are going, just go. And you play it like a normal shift, and you just play it with pace. You play it without numbering. You play it with just getting pucks to the net. And you'd be surprised how you can have success through that. And I think that, you know, we didn't see any penalties in the third period, but I still do believe, I think Drew Banister would have switched things up uh, if, if given the opportunity because it was just so stagnant and second-guessing, you know, and this comes down to personnel, Dan, where I think Drew Bannister is continuing looking for chemistry. So you keep moving guys in and out. You have Falk on the top unit. Then you move it to Pareko. Then you move it back to Falk. 
Then you got two defensemen and Prunovich and Krug on the second unit. You know, so different bodies are moving around, which is good because you want to find chemistry. But the bad thing about this is, you know, all the best power plays in the league, they've been together a long time. You think about the Boston Bruins power play with Marchand and Pasternak. Look at that Colorado Avalanche power play with McKinnon and Ranton. I mean, these guys have been together so long. They know exactly what the next player is going to do, the move, two, three moves before they're going to make them. And that just comes with being together a long time. But the problem is with, with St. Louis right now is they're not getting a lot of success consistently, so you've got to keep moving bodies in and out. But that certainly does affect the chemistry, and it, it affects what, what the player next to you is going to be doing, which, of course, is anticipation, and that's all the playmaking really comes down to. Joey, when you go out and run on Friday morning and it's 10 degrees, do your lungs sting? They sting in the best way, Randy. I mean, listen, right now uh, it, it burns, it hurts, but you know, you know what burns and hurts more? waking up with five kids and having to do breakfast and they're fighting over toys. So, you know, as much as it burns, as much as it burns, I think it still burns my wife a little bit more. All right, good. I'm, and you, so obviously you got to run in this morning. Of course, n- not, not stop. Every Friday, you know that. I know. Mm-hmm. You're the best. Joey V, have a great weekend. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. See ya. See you later. That's Joe Vitale. You can hear him tomorrow as the Blues take on the Washington Capitals over at Enterprise Center. Six o'clock pregame, seven o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN.